We're going to begin talking about cell boundaries on this segment. Um, when you first study a country, you may begin by examining a map of the country's borders. Before you can learn anything about a nation, it's important to understand where it begins, you know, and where it ends. So that same principle applies to cells. Among the most important parts of a cell are its borders, which separate the cell from its surroundings. All cells are surrounded by a thin, flexible barrier known as the cell membrane. Many cells also produce a strong supporting layer around the membrane. That is known as the cell wall. So the cell membrane regulates what enters and leaves the cell and also provides protection and support. The composition of nearly all cell membranes is a double-layered sheet called a lipid bilayer. The bilayer gives cell membranes a flexible structure that forms a strong barrier between the cell and its surroundings. In addition to lipids, most cell membranes contain protein molecules that are embedded in the lipid bilayer. Carbohydrate molecules are attached to many of these proteins. In fact, there are so many kinds of molecules in cell membranes that scientists describe the membrane, so to speak, as a mosaic. Um, a, a mosaic is a work of art of individual tiles or other pieces. They're assembled together to form a picture or a certain design. As um, we will continue to talk about in this, this uh, lecture, some of these proteins form channels and pumps that help to move material across the cell membrane. Many of the carbohydrates act like chemical identification cards allowing individual cells to identify one another. Cell walls are present in many organisms, including plants, algae, fungi, and many prokaryotes. Cell walls lay outside the cell membrane. So it's the outer, the most outer portion is the cell wall. Um, they're porous. Um, enough to allow water, oxygen, carbon dioxide, and certain other substances to pass through easily. The main function of the cell walls provides support and protection for the cell. <clears throat> Most cell walls are made from fibers of carbohydrate and protein. These substances are produced within the cell and then released at the surface of the cell membrane where they're assembled to form the wall. Plant walls, um, Plant cells have walls that are composed of cellulose. Um, that's a tough carbohydrate fiber. Um, cellulose is the principal component of both wood and paper. So everything, um, or think every time that you pick up a sheet of paper, you're holding the stuff of cell walls in your hand. Now we're going to talk about diffusion. Um, and really measuring that concentration. So every living cell exists in a liquid environment that it needs to survive. So it may not always seem that way, yet even in the dust and heat of a desert, um, the cells of cactus plants, scorpions, and vultures are bathed in liquid. One of the most important functions of the cell membrane is to regulate the movement of dissolved molecules from the liquid on one side of the membrane to the liquid on the other side. So the cytoplasm of a cell um, contains a solution of many different substances in water. Recall that a solution is a mixture 
of two or more substances. So the substances dissolved in the solution, those are called solutes. The concentration of a solution is the mass of solute in a given volume of solution. So an example is if we dissolved 12 grams of salt in three liters of water, the concentration of the solution would be um, 12 grams um, per three liters of water, or you could just say four grams per liter. So if you had 12 grams of salt in six liters of water, the concentration would be 12 um, grams per six liters or two grams per liter. The first solution is twice as concentrated as the second solution. We're going to talk on diffusion now. So in a solution, particles move constantly. They collide with one another and tend to spread out randomly as um, a more concentrated uh, to an area where there are less concentrated is diffusion. So <clears throat> where particles tend to move from an area where they're more concentrated to an area where they are less concentrated, that's diffusion. So when the concentration of a solute is the same throughout the entire system, that system is at equilibrium. So what do diffusion and equilibrium have to do with cell membranes? Suppose a substance is present in unequal concentration on either side of a cell membrane. So if that substance can cross the cell membrane, its particles will tend to move toward the area where it is less concentrated until equilibrium is reached. At that point, the concentration of the substance on both sides of the cell membrane will be the same. So because diffusion depends upon random particle movement, substances diffuse across membranes without requiring the cell to use energy. Even when equilibrium is reached, particles of a solution will continue to move across the membrane in both directions. However, because almost equal numbers of particles move in each direction, there is no further change in concentration. Now we're going to talk about osmosis. So although many substances can diffuse across biological membranes, some are too large or too strongly charged to cross the lipid bilayer. So if a substance is able to diffuse across a membrane, the membrane is said to be permeable to it. A membrane is impermeable to substances that cannot pass across it. Most biological membranes are selectively permeable, meaning that some substances can pass across them and others cannot. Water passes quite easily across most membranes, even though many solute molecules cannot. An important process known as osmosis is the result. Osmosis is the diffusion of water throughout a selective permeable membrane. So how does that really work? So <clears throat> let's say there are, we have a beaker, there are sugar molecules on the left side of the selective permeable membrane. And then um, there's more of them on the left side than there is on the right side. That means that the concentration of water is lower 
on the left than it is on the right. The membrane is permeable to water, but is not to sugar. This means that water can cross the membrane in both directions, but sugar cannot. As a result, there is a net movement of water from the area of high concentration to the area of low concentration. Water will tend to move across the membrane until equilibrium is reached. Remember, equilibrium is the balance there. Um, at that point, the concentration of water and sugar will be the same on both sides of the membrane. When this happens, the two solutions will be isotonic, which means same strength. Isotonic means same strength. When the experiments um, of the sugar and water in the beaker um, becomes more concentrated of sugar solution, that was said to be hypertonic, which means it's above strength. Hypertonic, above strength. So if the sugar was to become to dilute in the solution, that means it would be hypotonic, which would mean below strength. Hypotonic means below strength. Now there is osmotic pressure that comes into play. So for organisms to survive, they must have a way to balance the intake and loss of water. Osmosis exerts a pressure known as osmotic pressure on the hypertonic, which is above strength side of a selective permeable membrane. Osmotic pressure can cause serious problems for a cell. Because the cell is filled with salts, sugars, proteins, and other molecules, it will also um, be hypertonic to fresh water. This means that osmotic pressure should produce a net movement of water into a typical cell that is surrounded by fresh water. If this happens, the volume of cell will increase until the cell becomes swollen. Eventually, the cell may burst like an overinflated balloon. Fortunately, cells in large organisms are not in danger of bursting. Most cells in such organisms do not come in contact with fresh water. Instead, the cells are bathed in fluids such as blood that are isotonic. These isotonic fluids are concentrations of dissolved materials roughly equal to those in the cells themselves. So other cells, like plant cells and bacteria, which do come in contact with fresh water, they're surrounded by tough cell walls. The cell walls prevent the cells from expanding, even under tremendous osmotic pressure. However, the increased osmotic pressure makes the cells extremely vulnerable to injuries to their cell walls. So now we're going to talk on facilitated diffusion. So a few molecules such as sugar, um, you know, also known as glucose, seem to pass through the cell membrane more quickly um, than they should. One might think that these molecules are too large or too strongly charged across the membrane, and yet they diffuse across pretty easily. So how does that really happen? The answer is that cell membranes have protein channels that make it easy for certain molecules to cross the membrane. Red blood cells, for example, have a membrane protein with an internal channel that allows glucose to pass through it. Only glucose can pass through this channel, and it can move through in either direction. The cell membrane um, protein is said to facilitate or help the diffusion of glucose across the membrane. So this is known as facilitated diffusion. Hundreds of different protein channels 
have been found that allow particular substances to cross different membranes. Although facilitated diffusion is fast and specific, it is still diffusion. Therefore, a net movement of molecules across a cell membrane will occur only if there is a higher concentration of the particle um, molecules on one side than on the other side. This movement does not require the use of the cell's energy.